Hello. Um, welcome <laughs> to our, um, our pod, a six podcast. And we're here gathered together uh, in street in Damien's house. And um, we've I've sort of prepared a little bit less for this one. And so we're just going to see how uh, us being a little bit more spontaneous and just to go with the flow and um, <clears throat> how the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. But we've a like, basic idea is to do with what what our calling is, what we feel like our, our calling has been and, and our vision and, you know, what we think our life's work might be. And um, so we, uh, we're going to just touch on those sort of subjects. But uh, before I do that, I just want to lift this up in prayer. Uh, Lord, I just thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, for this time that we can spend together, Lord. And uh, we pray your Holy Spirit uh, move amongst us as we um, just uh, I'll try and answer those questions of uh, our purpose and our calling, our vision. Um, yeah, give us wisdom, knowledge, understanding, uh, insight, inspiration. And um, I pray that it would be beneficial for uh, uh, you lot listening um, and that uh, it would move your uh, your walk with Jesus a little bit further, Lord, and, and uh, give you that depth and um, uh, tools that you need um, for your uh, week ahead. Um, so, yeah, Lord, I just commend this, this time with this... Uh, Subject to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So yeah, um, and uh, and as as we sort of um, think about this, um, the guys are sort of looking down the floor, thinking, "Don't ask." I me thought you were going to start off with your <laughs> dream, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I I um, probably about four days ago, five days ago, I, I had this dream, and um. And I'd, uh, I think I probably it was an answer to prayer, an answer to something in my spirit that I that I I felt at, at um, in the sort of last five weeks, so that we'd um, me and Damon come from doing overseas mission trip, uh, which was like uh, quite uh, traumatic at times and difficult, um, uh, and so when we came back, we felt a bit in limbo, um, and a bit without purpose um i think we just expended ourselves so much in that time and uh, it was you know time to um, um recharge and um sort of lay down tools in a way um but our, our, our minds were thinking well <clears throat> you know we need to get you know have a purpose a, a, a an idea a focus a plan so it's like a separation between what we needed to do was just rest but our minds sort of trying to um, have this uh, an overall idea, purpose, thrust, when we really needed to rest. So, so it was this sort of ambivalent time. And, uh, and, and, and a, a result of that is this dream I had. And the dream was two-part dream. And I was in this huge city and I was looking um, on, I was on this balcony, seven, eight floors, ten floors up looking down over the city, it was beautiful light over the city, and I looked up to one end of the city, uh, and, and I, but I looked down onto the main road, uh, and I could see the, the street, um, streets on the opposite side 
intersecting onto this main street but the the levels were too were different the it the opposite side was about 30 foot higher so they, there was no way cars could come in or pedestrians could come uh, and connect with the main road and it was like the uh, the land that i was on was had almost like dropped away or, or fell away um and i was also told in the dream that this this land that was slightly higher 30 foot higher was um it was like a maybe a refuge or some sense of safety uh, uh, I, can't, I can't find the word for it now but um and i was told that you could not get onto that higher bit of ground um even if you went on the outskirts of the city and come out at it in a different way this was sort of closed off and it and it was it reminded me of um, Lazarus and the beggar, and Lazarus ends up in hell. Um, this is a story, that, a, a parable that um, Jesus says um, uh, about these two guys. One was a rich man, one was a poor man, and they, they knew of each other, but the rich man ended up in hell. And in hell, there was a huge divide between where he was and where the beggar was, which he ended up in, in heaven. And and it and it was this, this sense of this divide, but also in Genesis it talks about or Exodus talks about um, where the Israelites had um, one of them a, a family had taken stolen something some, some gold jewelry and they buried it in their tent, and Moses had uh, was told about this through God, and he called this family out and basically the ground opened up. As their judgment and and uh, they dropped into the ground and so it was like this sense of this um, the land that I was on was under judgment and we live in this fallen world and it, which is under judgment and our purpose here is to bring people uh, to, to put people into that onto that safe higher ground and and that that was the underlying in the next uh, uh, dream which was so instead of now from this high point this high vantage point of this vision and purpose and where we are in this world um, I was down on the ground a very low area it was dark and I'd be and my purpose there was collecting uh, these these ba these uh, what looked like a coffee um, coffee bags that you get from the supermarket with if um, they um, vacuum sealed and they're square and they're silver so like silver plastic and I, I, and I collected about 30 of these packages um, and, and I had and I put them into my rucksack and I was on a journey and this journey was up this very steep incline and it was dark and it was a concrete incline and there was possibly like prickly things on the way and it was like a trial I was going through but I had to get to this this higher ground uh, and there was somebody just slightly ahead of me, encouraging me, coaxing me up. It was like my, you know, like an angel or a guide, but it was like a soldiery type um, feel about it, um, that angelic host, the army of God type of thing. And we got to this this higher ground, and up there was a load of people, and we were in this building, and we were like this remnant, like we'd like it's the analogy of Christians is that we we're like we're parachuted behind enemy lines 
and we were like um, this um, this gathering of people, these who all believed in about trying to save people, trying to tell them about Jesus, trying to break the program of, of uh, um, this, you know, the people, the secular world, the, um, and trying to break people out of the program and realize there was an eternity, and we live in a temporal world, and they needed to get on board with this, with eternity uh, uh, through Jesus Christ, and what the package I had helped to create some some machine uh, and it was like the size of a table like a kitchen table but it was plaster plastic flat surface on this table with this big shaft going down the side rod and at the end of the rod was uh, another sort of like a pear-shaped um, structure uh, um, shape that was and, and this uh, rod the shaft was rotating and going back and forth rotating and it was as if as it was uh, printing something uh, and clicking and printing and and but it, uh, it like I, I thought initially it was to do with tracts or verses that you give out to people on the streets um, and to trigger them to set a spark in in, in them uh, about you know the, uh, the way the truth and the life um, about the gospel um, and then I was, I was told in the dream it, it was it was more than that it was a method and a, a means of um, replicating what we were doing about finding people of peace, finding, which is fruit, um, and and ultimately the fruit could produce more fruit. And my life's work, and this was my life's work too, before I, I stepped off this, this mortal coil into eternity, that my life's work was to create this machine, and it, and it was... It wasn't clear whether it was just a it was a machine or a method, uh, but that I had to place in the world, create and place in the world, and it would be self-replicating, and it would just get on with itself. And like with Paul the Apostle, uh, when you know he found people of peace, he created churches that that where the fruit um, created more fruit, uh, and hence how we the, the way um, Christianity have spread like wildfire from the Middle East. So, so, so my life's purpose was to, uh, a method and a, a means to, and a teaching to people, to get people on board uh, for, to self-replicate themselves as to find more uh, believers and for those believers to find more. And that's my life's work. And, um, uh, and it, but it was also the, the idea that it was trying to find that, that, uh, uh, that person of peace that yielded 30, 60, 100 fold. Like, you know, for instance, the person that found Billy Graham. Um, it, so it was both, you know, finding those people and a method and a system uh, put into the world that I could walk away from and it would just get, it would just get on with itself. So that was the, a picture, a vision um, of, of my life's work. And uh, so, yeah. Oh, I got. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. I really like hearing that. Uh, how How are you getting on with your life's work then so far? Um. What am I what, doing physically? Well, I, and and. Well, if that if yeah, you well, shared that, I just, yeah. Well, I th I think the. It's like, um, what Damon was saying the other day. We in the last two years we we baptized about 24 people and we you know some people have moved away some people have fallen away 
uh, but you know we have a core number of people that we were discipling and and you know praying for those other people um, and so and it, but ultimately it's, it's about finding those people of peace discipling them and instilling this idea to replicate to that the fruit will produce more fruit um, and and obviously that t- takes time to mature for people um, but we know in, in the Gospels that people were baptised and the, the weeks and months as they opened out they, they were out there proclaiming the Gospel and, and it was hand in hand about te- to, to receiving uh, Jesus Christ and telling people where, and this seems to be a blockage about telling people in, in and um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I uh, but it, it's 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 uh, my I mean what I'm doing is trying to tell people every day, um, trying to uh, finding people to tell them about the gospels and praying for them, even if they um, they're not you know interested, but I can at least shake their hand and just pray and God that God would open their eyes. Um, and 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 just discipling the people that God's given us that we have close contact and have a a, a relationship with, because mm. ultimately it's 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 relational. Mm. Um, yeah, that's good. So and um, but and and I found yesterday when me and Damien were were working, we were travelling, we were driving in the van, and. Um, and I said, I said, turned to him. I said, I, I, what I did, I, I thought, well, um, oh, I need uh, Damien to pray for me about something. And I, but I, that, I can't just ask him to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll ask him what he wants to be prayed for because it's very, uh, it's courteous to be to ask to ask <laughs> people. Know you know, it's like when you say, um, you know, um, uh, you know, pass me the salt. It's like say, oh, would you like some salt? And then oh, and then they they think oh. I oh, said, so you, oh, you want some yeah, salt? It's just one of those curses. You're going to make me really paranoid now, yeah? And any time you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Damon, so at this moment, Damon was going to walk out of the room and I'm just building up the question. to, uh, uh, um, And, um, so yeah, and I, and I sort of said, so Damon, what, what can I pray for you? And, it, and, and, he, and he just started talking about, he was reading in Kings about Solomon's life work to create the temple. And what God spoke to him through that. So, um, yeah, just hand it over to you, Damon. All right. The, thi- the thing I'm talking about, I was reading in Kings. And this is what he says in chapter 9. When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had achieved all he had desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time. And reality is he was building the temple for like, 13 years and he hasn't heard from God anything but after he achieved everything he wanted to do after 13 years it's only then that God has reappeared back to him and when you ask me what is it that I want prayer for I wanted prayer that I can achieve everything that God has placed in my heart to build for him as I feel like I'm building uh, temples that are living moving breathing we are called the church. We are the body of Christ. In us dwells the spirit of the living God with all its power and strength and might. Mm. And sometimes when you build with people, it's more complicated. 
because you don't have to work with bricks and mortar but with emotional people damaged people and you really have to rely not on your skills but entirely on the Holy Spirit so the work is great and it's tremendous uh, it requires us to work in a lot of different places places where it's risky places where it's joyful and places where we don't even know what we're doing in there sometimes but the reality is I wanted prayer for those things but I wasn't gonna talk about this thing because <laughs> um, we said uh, we each gonna pick up a subject and talk about I think the subject I would like to talk about today is um, something you probably have not expected actually and um, it's in Ephesians and it says this Ephesians 5.14 For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I'm just thinking that um, there are things in this world which cannot be explained. The, the what? The writings? No, there are things okay. in this world that cannot be explained. And I just wanted to share something that happened to me once I was back in Romania. Um, those of you who don't know me, I come from a gypsy background. Oh, in, in the summer you were, you were in Romania, yes. yes. And um, so I was just um, on holiday there, doing paperwork and documents and whatnot. I don't think that's important, but the point is, I was driving someone home, my sister. And as I'm about to drop her down into the community of gypsies, where I come from as well, um, this lady comes and she starts running for my neck, almost like in hugging position or embrace position. And then she literally screams on top of her lungs. A kind of squeak, squeegee scream that I had never heard in my life, especially up close, two o'clock in the morning, where everywhere is dark. And her screams has awakened the whole of the community and they started to gather around us in there. Now, I have never experienced anything like that. And the moment she appeared, I literally started to pray in any language I could possibly think. And I would just think, what did Jesus do? And I'm like, well, I suppose there is a demon. I have to cast it out. So I laid my hands on this lady and I'm starting praying. And I'm like, come out to her in the name of Jesus. And all, all sorts of things that comes to my mind I was praying for. My son George was with me that night there as well. And he was terrified. My wife, who usually is the most uh, scared, easily scared, usually, she wasn't scared at all. She was keeping her cool, and it's almost like this was the most natural thing she's seen. I don't know how she's done that. But uh, after praying for her, she started to vomit out blood. And as the gypsies gathered around her, they were asking, what's going on? None of us could logically explain what was happening nor can I now but one thing was obvious she was screaming she was saying she's possessed by demons and I'm there with my hands on her head praying for her and she's throwing out blood the next thing I know she has she tells me that she hasn't had peace in seven years now I don't know what to make of that so I guess I just wanted to tell you that there are strange things in this world and as Christian I think we most of the time dismiss these things. There is a spiritual battle. And um, I think we need to be prepared for it, really. 
And what, what, what was the result of you praying and casting out this demon? What, did she experience that change? Well, for one, she didn't scream. She's possessed by demons. And she said she has peace, whatever that means. I don't what, even since, know. Since then, she's, she yeah. says she's feeling peace. That's what she yeah. said, yeah. Since, and after seven years of feeling very disturbed and, and uh, yeah. All right, well, that's, that's good. So, yeah, yeah back to you, Ben. And, and yeah, so, they, uh, so Ben, and, and so talking about visions, and uh, Damon is not, I'm sorry, Ben is not sure of a, a vision or two. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, Ben has this ability to uh, have an, um, always have an overall view of things, and uh, I always see him as a bit of an, like an eagle. And flying high and looking down and, and seeing where everything at its place and how things um, belong and how things interconnect and um, at the drop of a hat he seems to have this ability to, to uh, have this oversight um, and um, so yeah and, and you've like written a book uh, this, this summer and you like it um, came out a few weeks ago uh, called the uh, um, accidental apostle, um, and yeah. So, yeah. What what's your um, if I said vision? What would be what would that mean to you? Mm. Having a vision. Um, I think um, when I look back on what God's been doing in in my life and in the lives of my family and those around me over the last year I think he's he's been doing a lot of work because some people who are listening might know me quite well and and know me as someone who's normally um you know someone who's like leading the troops over the hill into battle in mission who's not really concerned about endless conversations that don't seem to lead anywhere um, and, you know, I think there's an element of that that is, is good and needed if we're making disciples. You know, a disciple isn't someone who sits around and talks and theorises their way into the kingdom. It's someone who obeys no matter what. So there's an element of that which is good. But I got to the point about a year ago through challenging situations at home in my family and marriage and people I was working with, where I felt I needed to to stop and God needed to do some work on me. And really, through that, I feel like I've come to a much healthier place of understanding that the most important thing is knowing who we are in Christ. Um, knowing who we are in Christ to understand the purpose for, for how he's made us. So, you know, I think before this year... I. I would feel very unsure and and weird and scared about saying that I believe God's called me to be an apostle because there's lots of insecurities and things in me that were lurking in there that that I hadn't allowed Jesus to, to deal with. So, you know, the whole process for me of writing a book, you know, I felt Jesus showed me to call it Accidental Apostle because, you know, there's an element that 
your calling or a title or a name or something like that is really not important. What's important is you knowing yourself and knowing Jesus and knowing his will for your life. So the book is an attempt to encourage other people that you find your calling by being a disciple. You know, I see a lot of people spending a lot of time and money money and energy trying to find their calling when I think, well, obey Jesus. Like, serve others around you. Find some people that don't know Jesus and start to disciple them. And uh, you very quickly then find out what God has called you to do because that God's calling is like a passion in your life, like a lens that you see everything through. So for me, it's been quite freeing and releasing to understand more about who I am because that helps me to understand, oh, yeah, that's why when I'm in that situation, I think like that. Well, that's why when I approach a, a problem or an obstacle, this is why I think like this. This is why when I'm in a group of people, this is why I find that person hard or that's why I find these kind of situations hard because this is who I am. So, um, so yeah, so it was actually quite releasing and, and freeing to come to a greater understanding of this is who I am. And people can like that or dislike that. People can accept me or reject me and that's okay. But this is, this is who I am. And um, Ben, I just want to ask you a question. Yeah. What do you want to achieve by writing that book? Like, really, what's the purpose of it? So, so when I wrote the book, I, re- I again, I came to the point of realizing that I was halfway through my life, so I'm going to be forty next year, and I realized that up until this point in my life. I've really relied or focused on what is it that I'm doing. So, you know, and and if you're someone like me, you can, I have a lot of energy, I have a lot of drive, I have a lot of enthusiasm. If you're like, if you're someone like me, you can actually get a lot done. You can inspire people around you, you can travel around, you can do all these things. But um, in April, I lost my driving license. God was telling me to stop doing or to stop doing everything and I had to I had to realize that actually um, the best thing that I could possibly do right now to see God's kingdom coming on earth is to consider a completely different way of working where it wasn't about what I was doing or able to do it was about me as Jesus said dying like a seed and multiplying so I wrote the book with the clear purpose of trying to multiply people who fought and acted and had a similar vision to to me and us. People who were saying, actually, we want to plant churches that will multiply, we want to make disciples that make disciples, so that whole cities or regions will be transformed for the gospel. So, So it's not really... I didn't write it thinking, oh, I want every Christian I know to read this because it's going to help them. I thought I was really going for <laughs> the good soil, to be honest, mm. for people who are willing to sacrifice their lives for the gospel. And there isn't that many people around. But if you find those people, then like us, they're willing to to be really fruitful. Mm. 
So it was really it was really to try and um, encourage and inspire people who are like me. They may be sitting in in a church thinking, because um, I used to sit in in a church that was full of lovely people, um, and I used to look around me, thinking this this seems to be working for everybody, but God, you've taken our hearts out of this, and that's a really hard situation to be in, because you think, oh. Am I wrong? Am I doing something sinful and everything? But actually, I look back now and think, you know, it's because that's who God has called me to be. Because He's He's called me personally to be someone that that helps to build new churches and and new works. So it was really to to encourage other people who might be feeling like, you know, what I can't just sit and do nothing about the fact that ninety percent. 95% of people don't know Jesus and are not part of any kind of church. And actually, we need to go and do something about that. Mm. One question, man. So I'm someone who's just been a Christian recently. I'm someone who's been a Christian for 10 years. And I'm a very well-experienced Christian, church person, leader, you name it. Which of these characters is your book able to help to do mission and build something? Um, well... It's interesting because both kinds of people have have got the book because some of the people in the mission work we've done, um, who I didn't think really would want to buy my book because it's quite thick and, you know, I think the message in it is quite hard going. Um, they've, they've bought a copy and then there's other people who, like you said, have been maybe Christians for a number of years, have, you know, been leaders, been involved with different things. They've bought it. So it's quite interesting it's it's probably more aimed at um as as i said people like me who have been a christian for a while who are feeling like god is calling them to do something about the big issue um and the big issue to me by the way isn't how can we renew or revive or bless existing churches like that's important but we're talking about our life's work and for me the biggest issue I see, which I'm given my life to, is that we need we need to plant churches amongst new people because there's just not enough Christians or churches to go around. So, um, so yeah, so really I'm right into that. But, you know, some of the new guys seem to be enjoying it because it's helping them to explain about, oh, this is... It's helping them understand more about why we're doing the mission work that we're doing and what the... It's a lot really about the foundation and helps to explain why we do what we do. Because, you know, when I was writing the book, I realised, oh, there's loads of things that are, are core things about us, about why we're doing what we're doing, and things that God has done on our journey that I've not shared with anybody. And it made me realise, oh, yeah, these are, these are important things to, that we need to pass on to help people understand. Well, why, do, why does Ben think that we need to start new churches? Why, why does... Does Ben, when we gather together in a church, try and help everybody engage with the scripture and, and what God wants them to do? So, yeah, it's been, it's been quite helpful for me, actually, to, to get it all out, to get it all out into something that you can give to people um, as, I guess, as my life's work and, and something that other people, you know, also need, feel that they connect with and it's helpful to them as well. Another question, Ben. How many chapters does your book have? Uh, I can't remember. 
I think it's about eight or nine chapters um, because the first, there's a first couple of chapters around a bit about um, like our own story, about being called by God and this whole area of being called to the Gentiles, which um, we've kind of developed to mean people that are not in church. So obviously in, in the book of Acts, you had the Jews and the Gentiles. And there were stories about how the gospel kind of spilled over into the Gentiles and it, it caused some um, friction. But actually, you know, we can look back and think, you know, God's heart was never that it, he just lived with the Jews in their in their little world. He wanted to be known amongst all the nations. Um, and then, you know, the meaty bits of the book really is based on from um, Acts 14, where it talks about when Paul was traveling and he was doing mission work as we call it and we know that there was you know prayer undergirded everything but then it said it says they preached the gospel they made many disciples they strengthened the believers and they appointed leaders so I've looked at those as like core areas of how we can see a city or a region transformed and you know the importance of working on all of those areas because you can preach the gospel but if you don't make many disciples, you're not going to see anything happening. You might even make many disciples. But if you don't strengthen the believers and form churches with them, um, then you won't see any lasting fruit. And then if you don't you know, continue with this work of appointing leaders, actually, um, when, you, when you pull out to go somewhere else, all the work will fall apart because you've not left anybody there to shepherd and care for the flock. And then... The final chapter, which probably is the most important chapter, is called Condemned to Die. And it's based on where Paul says that he, in 1 Corinthians, where he says, um, I often think that you've made us apostles as people condemned to death. And I look at the whole thing that being called by God to whatever is basically a death sentence. Because it's a call to lay your life down so that others might live. And whether you, Jesus wants you to actually physically die and lay your life down, he might. Um, but we're called to daily die to ourselves and to give ourselves to equip other people to do what God is calling them to do. So if I have your book right now and you were to break it, you have already broken it into parts. But if you were to give the beginning, the middle and the end, three names that people can think of. Yeah, so this is the beginning, this is the middle, and this is the end. What would you class those three um, bits? Well, I think I'd, I'd group it into what does it mean to be called by God? Um, the middle bit would be how do you do that? And the third bit would be are you prepared to do that? Fantastic, thank you. That's right. I'd like to ask Jan some questions. Jan, mm. obviously God has spoken to you through a dream. Yeah. Just like he has spoken to Solomon. Mm. And you're looking to find that one person who will be the next Billy Graham, who will be multiplying the kingdom of Jesus. Right? Mm. Okay. Um, how do you feel God will lead you to do that? Uh, um, just to um, carry on um, with to get, uh, going out on the streets as much as I can um, and 
since I've got we got back from this overseas trip, I, um, I read a few times in in the, the New Testament about um, Jesus says carry carry the cross to carry your cross daily, and that was like something um, that fell on me, and I thought, oh yeah, I've got to. That's what I've got to do. I've got to get out as much as possible, and. Uh, so that's what I've been doing is um, maybe about four days a week just going out and talk to people on the streets, um, praying for people, doing street preaching, praying over um, whatever town I'm in, whether it's in Glastonbury or it's in um, uh, in, in Bridgewater uh, and, and just approaching people in cafes and pubs and uh, asking if they want any prayer and to... Um, just to get into a conversation about um, um, about Jesus, how he changed my life, turned my life around, um, and to see if they're interested in in knowing more about uh, Jesus. Um, and, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a constant daily thing. Um, uh, yeah. Can I just ask one more question? I'm just very conscious of some of these listeners who, I don't know, they might say, well, isn't that what we are trying to do? How is this any different from what you're trying to do? And what makes you think that God will even make that happen? Like, and I'm th I have some people in my mind <laughs> that I know of that uh, they say the same thing, but the reality is between you and them, they, uh, to me personally, I don't think they're that devoted to that calling. But what would you say to them if they say, well, what makes you think that God will help you do that? Like, what would your answer be to that? Um, well, I, 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 to just be look at uh, simply uh, what Jesus was doing. He says, "Follow me, do what I do," and um, you know, to, to to preach the gospel um, and and do it directly, physically, um, and putting myself out there. Uh, that's all I can say. I, I'm doing, um, and that's what they did. Um, Let, what did they do? Um, they, so when Jesus sent out people like you, what did, what what actually did they do? What do we know from the Bible? What did they do? They they preached at in the synagogues. Um, they was they spoke to people in in, in like the centre of town, the marketplaces, um, and and they yeah engaged in conversation with people. And fat and and looked for that person of peace, um, and obviously it was the the culture to, for people to be invited back to their home. So, um, and they could end up in, uh, baptizing their whole family, mm. um, and. But it, it it's. But I th I think it is that when when you step out and in that way and it, it, what you we you, you have. It, in this country, is that people feel that when you say "let's do this, go out and just do this, let's talk to people, let's engage with people," they feel um, a sense of fear about doing that, and it seems to be like a huge threshold for them to cross. And they say, "Oh, you're very brave, you can do that. Oh, we can't do that," and it, they seem to be uh, muzzled and and um, uh, this 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 thing of stepping out seems to be a problem. And it seems to be this spirit of fear, um, and 
and, and I know that for myself because I, 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 I walked that threshold, that, that, that road to uh, when I approached people, when I first knocking, started knocking on people's doors, um, it was terrifying. Um, so it, it's, it try, and, and doing the thing, that, the, 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 the model, the replica, the, the template of what the disciples were doing 2,000 years ago, that seems to be, re in this country, seems really impossible. So you, you have this uh, resistance and so people in churches stay and, and follow what people are doing in churches, which is speaking and, and speaking engagement, engagements and talks. So ultimately when people are moved to do something, the ultimate thing they can do is to be a speaker. And I've seen that again and again in churches. And, and it's, not, it's not standing at the, uh, uh, on the doorstep calling people in or being out in the street and bringing people in. It seems to be they, they're talking from within to the converted and people are coming to endless meetings and not, not um, propagating or uh, uh, um, growing those seeds and finding those seeds uh, in, in people's, uh, those people of peace. Uh, to find more disciples, and uh, and it um, and it ends for so it, there's a huge frustration. Um, and can I just ask you one more question? Mm. Someone is listening right now. He says, "Oh, I want to join Jan into this quest. Mm. It sounds great what he wants to achieve. I want to work with him to do this. How can they get hold of you?" Um, well, they um, well we're here based uh, in in Somerset Street. I'm I'm from Overy. Uh, ben is in Somerton, and we are, we've got a website which um, Ben can will say at the end of, of the program uh, this um, talk. Um, but yeah, and so we we we're, we're here and available and to get hold of. Um, so yeah. Okay, thank you, Ian. Ben. One last question for you, mate. I want to get your book. Where do I get it from? Um, you can, probably the easiest way, I could give out a long, long website address, but if you go to www.benandcatherine.org, that's our, our own website, you'll see pictures, or you can actually search for it, Accidental Apostle, on lulu.com, so, um, and then you can order it online. Or if you have any problems, just send us a message on this podcast or find me on Facebook or things like that, but you can order it online. And how much is your book? Um, the book is £11.99. And then if you get it through Lulu, you have to pay postage on top of that. Thank you. And one more question, Damien. And, uh, because yesterday when we were coming at the M5 in the van, and I, I said, what, what can I pray for you about? And we realised we, we needed the, a prayer for the... Uh, uh, both of us for this vision and uh, I'd just like to finish off what you because you, because I prayed and I started praying in tongues and that the, the Holy Spirit and the sense of God's presence was building up in, in, in that cab yesterday and then you went into prayer and then um, yeah, can you tell us uh, something about that And uh, because you had a picture didn't you you just had a sense of um us being observed and 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 the nature of the prayer. Can you say something about that? Uh, I think I would like to make this another podcast. If well, I'm no, I think it's good to finish on this because 
I'm very self-conscious that many people probably they won't get this, they won't understand it. I know, and I, I don't want to be a point of stumbling for them because I be like many people believe that the words of the Holy Spirit have stopped. So me telling some things that I seen, I don't know. I don't, well, I think, well, I think this whole pod, every podcast we've done, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. So I don't yes. think you should be fearful of it. So no, I'm know. not fearful actually. Right. I'm just very self-conscious that people probably might. Anyway, if you want to hear it, here it is. Anyways, yeah. So we are in a van. We are praying. And um, it was, it, it wasn't like one of those moments. Oh, we just prayed. It wasn't just that. It was something really deep and meaningful. Like to me, the the first second, the first two verses of chapter nine of Kings. It means a lot. And the reason it means a lot is because this guy has built something, and for thirteen years he hasn't heard God. Solomon. Yeah. Yeah, Solomon. And I'm thinking. Man, what a character. I, ca I can't live like 10 minutes without hearing God. I can't. And I, I don't even know whether I should apologize for that or not. I, can't. I simply, I'm, I don't feel like I'm built not to be able to hear God. Because the moment I don't hear Him, I'm, I'm panicking. I feel abandoned. I feel the whole world is collapsing on me. I feel like I'm undone. That's how I feel when I, God is not there. And... Um, I'm thinking, here is this man who, 13 years, he put his hand down, head down and just went, got, got on with it, you know. He just built and built and he finished. And after he finished, he waited even a little while longer and he made a lot of sacrifices. He says, they made so many sacrifices, they couldn't not even be counted for. The, the cattle and the but, sheep and yeah, all the animals. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and then God comes to him in a dream. I'm thinking, could he be joyful that God has come after 13 years to say, you know what, you've done a good job. And now I'm going to bless that place that you, you know, built for my name's sake. And I shall put my name in there and it shall be hold. And anyway, it goes on. It's based on that, in, around that, that I was praying, you know. And as I'm praying, this is not the first time this happened, by the way. This is just one mm. of the times that this happened. Um, I call it my Isaiah moment, when I literally have seen, sorry this gets me really emotional, <laughs> it's hard to talk about, but I could see, I could see all our brothers and sisters who went, you know, before us, and they're cheering for us, and our father is sitting on his throne. And our prayers are being lifted up to him. And it's not like this glut of prayers that is going and it's confusion. No, but there was this beauty about the prayer that was lifting up. I can't even describe it. There is no words to describe it. I could just see my prayer and Jan's prayer being lifted up and being presented before the throne of God. And it was the most beautiful thing. And the brothers are cheering for us. Paul talks about it. He's seen it. He talks about it that is real. If you have an issue believing this, uh, I'm not condemning you, I understand. But the reality is that vision was real and I could see it. Mm -hmm. And when you see something like this, is I don't know, personally, my faith is being built up. Mm -hmm. Be blessed, yeah, that's all I can say, be blessed. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm going to um, read this scripture and then we're going to pray for you all listening. Mm. And um, it's from Hebrews 12, chapter 1. 
And uh, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witness, mm. crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who started and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. So Father, we thank you for the example of many who have gone before us. Thank you that they're witnesses to the life of faith. And we pray that we would live a life of faith. We pray for everybody who's listening. We pray that you would give them faith, that you would give them a vision, that you would help them to understand who they are and what is the work that you've called them to. Mm -hmm. Help us to, to strip off all of the weight that slows us down and the sin that so easily trips us up. We pray you'd help us to run with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Mm. Yeah, amen. Yeah. So, thanks guys for listening again. Mm. And uh, as Jan mentioned, uh, we're here in Somerset. Um, if you'd like to come and experience what it is that we do, then contact us through our website or any of our social media pages. Our website is www.missionsomerset.co.uk. Uh, many of uh, many of you know us anyway and are connected with us, so send us a message if if you'd like to come and see us or if we can help you in any way. But ultimately, we pray that um, your eyes will be kept on Jesus, who is the one who can perfect your faith. Mm.